This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, the world is facing a hot pepper shortage. Canadian sauce makers are still thriving, though. Nadia Harlow, owner of Spice of Life in Ontario, tells us about her small business, how farmers are dealing with struggling hot pepper markets, and just how hot peppers can get. Plus, support small business, will you? Lawyer and democracy advocate Mikhailo Zernikov is live in Kyiv and he gives us his reaction to Sweden getting the chance to join NATO. Recent strike on the Crimean Bridge. Also learning how to properly say his name, Mikhailo, and why English education is becoming such a crucial tool for Ukrainians to succeed. Are you okay with DIY renos at home? And how about some push-ups, some fitness for you? Ryan O'Donnell helps us understand the slang of today's teenage kids and the Gen Z as he translates as well. It's all in the Shift Daily Podcast. We are going all the way around the world to Ukraine. Kiev, Ukraine, actually, is the uh, the place we're going to, and it's time to connect with, <laughs> I say this consciously, Mikhailo Zernikov is the, the way that I've always said your name, and then when Seven was on last week, I, it's made me realize, because he pronounced your name a little bit differently, so we're going to try and do it this properly, by the way, brother, and, um, and before we even get started, we're going to learn... Um, uh, a little bit of pronunciation correction stuff, if that's okay. Because I'm sure that, like, like I'm assuming Mikhailo is uh, some sort of derivation of Michael and in that family of names um, yeah. that we have in English. It's 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 literally that. It's like, it's like our Ukrainian version of that. Yeah. So, okay, so, but how do you actually, because I know that, and I've always been suspicious because, you know, we learned in our, we get these pronunciation guides, right, from all the broadcast people. Okay. And, you know, and that's where Kiev, like, the Kiev... And Hearsong yeah. and those, right? So we try to get mm-hmm. those ones right. So then yeah. I've always kind of wondered. Anyway, so Mikhailo is how we would say it. That's how it's spelled in English alphabet. Yeah. Um, but how do you say it properly? Well, in Ukrainian, it's Mikhailo. Uh-huh. So it's like you, you, just, you just get less of a K in it. It's just, it just go, just go huh, like with Kherson. Yeah. Like with, like if you say have, for example, like mm-hmm. you're, you're, it's 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 lighter, but like you just you just put a little more effort in, into the ha, and that's and that's it. It's Mihailo. Ha. It's, it's not Mihailo. Mihailo. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. get it right. Okay. So what about your last name then? Is there? Am I saying that anywhere near right? It's the first one is Z. It's like with the Z, Z, I don't know. Like what's the, what's the correct English? Like a J. Um, like, a, like a J or a soft yeah, G. It's, like, it's not really a J. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah, we we say like it's it's like a B buzzing like. Okay. Yeah. It's that. So Zhernikov? Um, it's Zhernikov. Yeah, and and the and it's like it's not soft. It's like Zha. It's not Zha, it's Zha. Zhernikov. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to try and get this right. The second one, yeah, that one might be a little bit tricky for an English. Tricky. Speaker. That's tricky. Uh, that's tricky. But you guys all speak your English is so good. I mean, I mean, yes, your history and law and all that, I'm assuming, is and some of the travel that you and all the, your peers and colleagues that we've met, um, mm-hmm. you know, but all of your English is so good and the the alphabet is wildly different. And yet, um, well, thank you, sir. you guys, you guys do such a good job with it. Is it, is it pretty standard fare in Ukraine for y'all to be speaking no. your English so clearly? Not yet. Um, I don't, I mean, it doesn't sound modest, does it? Uh, but, um, <laughs> generally, yeah, pe- educated people do now do speak more and more English. That's, mm-hmm. that's true. And like in, 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 uh, downtown kiev or like in a tourist your areas or like in a major cities you you would meet especially younger people who speak decent english 
Still, though, uh, which I think it just adopted a sort of a state program, or was actually starting the discussion more um, more that way um, on uh, how to. Um, I think it was the yeah, it was the bill introduced by the president. There we go. Um, on on how to imp- like vastly improve the um, English proficiency among the Ukrainians. So mm-hmm. it's it's, bas- it's basically becoming um, a a. a um, an official, it's not, it's not an official language, but like a uh, of official use or something like this. So it's it's not like by constitution we have just one um, um, official language, but English would become really widely used mm-hmm. to kind of more, even more integrate us into the into the world. Um, yeah, into the world. Hmm. Well, it makes, I think it's good. Yeah, it, but it's fascinating. And so, but let me take that off of what you said. There is that we've had a couple of Ukrainians that have come to Canada uh, that immigrated to Canada for education, whatever, right? With the war, there was, we had a great story about some graphic designers that got scholarships in Vancouver and okay. 20, 25 of them or 40 of them or something like that it was a million dollars. And, and that the young lady that we spoke with, her English was very good. I mean, she had an accent, but her mm-hmm. English was very, very good. And there was another guy who even bought a car off of a friend of mine. And he was a Ukrainian mm-hmm. that just moved here and he was looking to buy a car. And my buddy Neil had one for sale. And even his English was, was, so impressive and I, I just think it's really cool that and maybe we're just so lazy in the west because english is spoken most places in some way that we don't have to and we're even a bilingual country and we don't even learn much more than english in, in the western half of the country that's for sure so it's very strange no, I, no, but I, I find it impressive yeah. but if you look if you speak a um, well lingua franca so it's, it's, it's not of sorts but like english is the international language of today right yeah then you, you really don't need to. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, on the other hand, it really, you know, pays off to, to, to know a second language or like more than, than a second if you can, uh, in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, of course, uh, what helped was to study abroad in English. That I think changed. Of course, I, 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 like I learned English in school, which was also like it had m- like more accent on English language. So it was a specialized school. All that, but um, what really what really helped me was was being educated in English. That's that's a whole different story. And of course, being uh, it's not only lectures and you know um, seminars. It's it's also talking to your peers in English, like yeah. from 19 different countries where I had students. So that um, yeah, yeah, that really changed it. Well, you're putting it to work at that point, right? Like you're you're not just learning the language, you're using it, and that's where I think it changes. Exactly yeah. for yeah. for a year, and now of course, like I have a luxury of speaking to all these beautiful um native speakers yourself included so yeah, yeah that's that that's as well okay. now you're just sucking up um <laughs> okay uh mihailo mihailo is uh in kiev mm-hmm. and um and so okay you guys have wow what a weekend it's been um uh we've got crimea bridge we've got <laughs> yeah. russia's mad about cluster bombs when they already have them like how dare they be mad for you guys um um evening the playing field um and all of these different things that have been going on. Where do you want to get started? Once you want to, what do you want to let us know about what you're seeing? Oh wow, we we now have like an, an internal discussion about how we really should, uh, you know, step up our game in terms of producing drones and 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 buying drones because Russia is increasingly. I mean, we had an upper hand on that, but now now they um, they're really stepping up and and we have to deal with it um, mm-hmm. on producing drones, which is not. I mean. Not very good news for us, but we have to, you know, we have to get creative and we have to, we have to think about it. 
Uh, but yeah, Crimea breach happened again, mm -hmm. which uh, means that we can do this. Uh, but of course, uh, you know, it's 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 hard. It's uh, it's you know, we saw the Kharkiv counteroffensive and like on many other uh, in 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 fronts in eastern and and um, southern Ukraine last year. But now we have we see how how much slower and and much harder this one is going because uh, you know also Russia had their, they're also learning, obviously, and Russia had their. Um, yeah, the, the, their time to to strengthen their positions and everything. I don't know. It's 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 hard. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. This uh, Crimea, but, but of course, but of course, of course, we're advancing, and of course, we are we're gonna win this. But we 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 need we really need more resources, and we really, really need more. Well, the evidence um, of that has been showing. Work on it. Yeah, mm -hmm. we, we've been able to see the evidence of that, right? With um, as the technology and things have changed and come in, um, the the progress is you know been notably different and i don't say that to diminish the the heart of the soldiers who are fighting the fight but the reality is is when you've got the the material i mean everything changes we've seen that this whole um crimea bridge thing does it re because i feel like that for me i feel like it really changes the tone you know it's one thing to say end the war be done with this um it's one thing to um you know for some western countries to say you know, meet these conditions, then you can be a NATO, um, which yeah. is one of the questions I'll ask. We'll talk about more of that a little bit more in a minute. But um, the but when this Crimea bridge thing happens, it's not only can we uh, get back all the land that Russia took a year ago, yeah. but there is an element of, oh, wait, we can get Crimea too. And that must be exciting as Ukrainian to see that. I mean, to be inspired that, oh, yeah, we could actually get and fix this from 2014. True. Uh, before the, the start of the big war, um, nobody, I, nobody like myself, I, I didn't know like when in in how many generations we will get a chance to to get Crimea back. You know what I'm saying? Um, now we see that yeah, it's it's the part of the deal now. Uh, yeah. I know there's there's still a lot of like in the U.S. for example, they're still very cautious about like they're still somehow differentiate, even though no, not officially. Now officially, everybody recognizes you know territorial sovereignty, integrity, all these things, and like helping Ukraine uh, as for as long as it needs. But in reality, we see that unfortunately still some of the major countries, U.S. included. Um, I'm not sure where where in Canada discussion really stands on that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I hope it's not it's not like this, and I and I don't see it's like this. But yeah, your neighbor is um, is uh, still differentiating quite a bit because they still think oh Crimea is somehow different, which it is not mm -hmm. um, for Russia because it's like quote unquote escalation. Like I mean, how how much further can we escalate? Like hasn't been. Hasn't there been, um, you know, enough genocide and like all the atrocities that oh, we discovered? The kids, man. The fact that there's so many kids that have been just taken. Oh, um, sorry, I don't know. If, I don't know if you hear this, but this is this is the air alarm blazing right now. Okay, let it go. And it says, "Sorry, it's like it's the app on my." Um, yeah, I could hear it when you were talking in the background there. Yeah, sorry, it's the app on my phone that you can cannot easily um, turn off, which is good. Okay, uh, but now it. Managed to. So is that so? What does that tell you? Is that tells you that there's something nearby, or what does that say? Uh, well, it just says that, uh, and uh, it doesn't say what exactly. Yeah. It just says go to the shelter. Uh, and now I'll have to go to some other sources of information too. It just says Air Alarm Kiev. Maybe yeah. it just takes another minute or two to um, 
to get to know what uh, what is really going on. So you'll yeah, let us know if you have to go, though, please. Yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, probably not. Uh, maybe for not for the next several minutes or so at least. Uh, but yeah, if it's the ballistic missile, I, I'd rather get going. Yeah. Okay. You let me know, and we'll just shut her down right away. Sure. Sure. Thanks. Um, uh, so. But it's fascinating when you look at these different perspectives, right? And and I think that this is where this gets cool. And that's where, like the NATO conversation. So the catch for NATO, as we're in NATO, I mean, Canada is a big supporter of of Ukraine, obviously, in all of this. And um, but one of the catches for Canada, of course, is that the, if 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 Ukraine today was ready, technology, politics, uh, judiciary, democracy, all the things. Flip a switch; mm-hmm. it's part. Of, it's part of NATO. Then that means Article Five is immediately engaged, and the whole world's at war. Um, so I do get why many countries would be hesitant with that. Right. I, I don't know if I agree or not, but I can tell you that I get it. Um, but at the other point, mm-hmm. it's not much of an incentive for Russia to ever back off if the notion is is that Ukraine can never be part of NATO until this war is over, and they're yeah. not in a war. Well, that's great incentive for for the Russian government to keep the war going because then it solves the whole problem of one of the reasons why they started it anyway. Absolutely, yes. I, I, I cannot agree more. Look, look first of all, uh, we don't, we don't, in no way we're, we're saying get us into NATO right now and get your troops on the ground. That's not what we want. Yeah. So, officially, non-officially. And it's not a feeling inside the country even. Like, we we just want security guarantees for after the, for after the war. Yeah. Like, we want to win this ourselves with your help, of course, in terms of you know, means and 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 uh, and weapons and money and whatever, but we don't want you engage, guys. We don't want that escalation. We just want and it, we wanted in Vilnius. We wanted the invitation. That's where the the NATO summit uh, took place several days. Yeah. Come a part of NATO. Yeah. Um, with the process, because it's still a process. Like you can't go like, oh, we're we're there now. Um. And on top of that, we, we never wanted, we never saw, I mean, like, it, it would all mean for after the war, it would mean, or, or there would, there could be a scenario where, um, you engage right now and you say, like, there's a clause that says, well, not before this, uh, you know, war is over, whatever it is, we're, we're not talking about engaging you in this, like, engaging NATO in, in this, this very war. And on top of that, uh, there is, do we need do we need to transform by all means of course uh do we need judiciary rule of law all these things uh but is this the reason we have not we did not get accepted it's probably not like the the vast majority of experts agree that it is it is it is just the the major nato stakeholders us uh first of all being too scared to quote unquote provoke russia which exactly leads to the Again, not to say we have to kind of eliminate this argument to say, like, look, no, we're, we're working on it and we already have done a lot of things. So if, if anybody says, oh, you know, how can we get a, a NATO member who is this or that? No, we, we absolutely have to transform and, 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 and just not have this argument. Yeah. But the reason, the reason for that was not the, uh, the, the, the lack of certain reforms in Ukraine. Let's put it this way. Yeah. But it is good news. I mean, the whole Turkey, Sweden thing. I mean, that's Swedish. If Sweden joins NATO, that throttles access, uh, sea access to, uh, an awful, mm-hmm. the biggest ports in Russia. And so the fact that Turkey, um, pulled their veto, I mean, that's a big positive step. 
Um, well, that's, th- a, that's very good development, sure. Yeah, right. I mean, it's at least a step in the right direction, I guess, is what I'm saying, is, as it all is. It, it no, might absolutely, be. yes. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. But there's there's this meme. I, I hate explaining memes, like, on you know, <laughs> on the radio. But, you know, you know where, where it's like... The three ants that are climbing, like, and trying to reach the leaf that is above them. Yeah. And two of them, like, basically two of them are riding the back of the third one and, like, getting on the leaf successfully. And then the third one is just standing there and just nobody helps him. Yeah. So, and then, and then they go, like, the third one is Ukraine, like, and these guys, not to say, of course, you know, Sweden and, and Finland should have been there for long, but it, 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 it is the Ukrainian war context, the Russian aggression context that got them there, mm-hmm. that kind of changed them this thing and now and now the you know the ukraine so far at least it's like this sad third and that cannot cannot yet <laughs> not quite the, there yet reaching for where, help where, yeah where they where they where everybody's going yeah um absolutely okay let's talk quickly about the black sea because uh i think with <laughs> one of the byproducts probably of the cluster munitions plus the byproduct of the crimea bridge is one year after mm-hmm. the deal with russia saying that they would allow passage and of course that's a much larger conversation that uh Evgeny has been able to uh, dr Evgeny gaber has been able to help us understand is that um mm-hmm. where some of the stuff is going and being you know s- sneaked out if you will um manifests in all those much larger conversation but russia has said uh, we'll pull out of the deal for Ukraine um, grain to leave, which is just perfect timing in front of the harvest, which is all those things. So um, no surprise there for Ukrainians? Um, no, no surprise. Sorry, it was breaking a little bit, uh, maybe because of the connection. Um, so it's, um, yeah. I can ask the question again if that helps. The um, just no, with, it's with the grain deal. I'm just trying to figure out... I, I, Quite honestly, I don't know many things about it. It's just yeah. yeah if you can, if you can ask the question again, maybe. Well, I just no surprise. Is there any real surprise? What do Ukraine say about it? Because Russia, on perfect cue before the harvest, says no more grain deal. Um, and it, you know, I mean, that's a big impactful thing for the world, plus for Ukraine's economy. But at this, at the same time, I mean, it's right on cue for just before the harvest. So, is no surprise there? Is anyone talking about it? No, no surprise there. Um, you know, Russia is always manipulating and trying to to use whatever means uh, to, to to kind of keep half of the world hostage and again play this card of like, oh, if if you don't do what we want, you know, half the world um, is in hunger or something like this. Uh, and they, they've always been doing things like this. It's no, you know, it's no surprise. But I guess I mean with with the posi- again with the position of Turkey on this, which is um, which is good and constructive. And and other players, I, th- I think we'll we can um, yeah we can progress on that. But again, I don't I don't know I don't know many things about the grain deal. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. The, the detail, details of the deal don't matter. I just it's important to watch Turkey. Turkey has probably you know next to Poland, um, they have one of the one of the biggest Moldova maybe the one of the biggest investments because these are their two neighbors really. Um, yeah right now and and so they've got they share the border uh inserted or uh, divided by water of course but they share the border with both of you mostly with ukraine so the investment of of where this goes for for those folks down south of you is incredibly um is incredibly important um in kiev right now yeah it's so true um uh, I'm trying to get the name right. I'm trying to pronounce it right. So Mikhailo is here, and um, plans? Any plans for the summer? Like, I mean, as a as a as a male, a military age male, you can't go really anywhere um, without except nope. without work exception. Um, and so, are you getting a chance to do anything? Like, how are you managing all this stuff? You've had air alarms go off just in, in this conversation. 
Oh yeah, I I, I definitely need to go to um, you know to rest a bit. We decided uh, at work that we will get uh, quite soon uh, in August a week of rest mandatorily. Because we, we, as management, we have a really hard time uh, telling people to go and take uh, leave days because everybody feels, you know, responsible and, and, you know, they cannot really, you know, rest very much and, and all that. But that's necessary. You know, you have to manage your resources. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I can feel that I, you know, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty tired at this moment, quite honestly. So, yeah, um, you know, there's still places to go in Ukraine, even though, you know, the seaside is now um not uh, not, not a good best. destination no. and, and, and and yes and in many ways uh, not reachable uh, unfortunately yet uh but you know there's still Carpathian mountains there's still um, other beautiful places in ukraine visiting friends uh yeah doing uh, just just trusting a little bit that's um uh that's important so Must- yeah that's that, that for that it must be difficult as a manager to um to tell these people to leave work when being at work gives them something to do when they might not have anything a whole lot else to do um because they're so limited i mean so how do you balance that out and exhaustion must be real well yeah um so yeah we're trying so, so we, we invented that that we we agreed that we all take at least a week of leave uh in you know beginning of august then um we um yeah we, we do other, it's not it's not Surprisingly, there's still a lot of things you can do. That's I mean, cool. there, there's lots, there's lots of things you can do for other people. There's lots of time is so much squeezed right now because of the war. Uh, things are happening at, at the rate that, you know, several times faster than work things and non-work things too. So there's, there's still, I mean, there's always lots to do, but yeah, in, in terms of like travel and, and leisurely time, it's not, it's not the best uh, situation, but yeah, we're trying. Also, we're trying to be creative and trying to, to, to figure out. Well, thank you for the look inside your life a little bit with this conversation. I appreciate that one. And um, and stay safe if those alerts keep coming. I really appreciate you being here, brother. Thank you. It's great to see you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for having me always, and thanks for all your support, Canada, and please continue doing this. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get uh, – you're very welcome. The pleasure is mine. Uh, Mikhailo Zharnikov. Pretty close. Very good. It's it's 99% shape. 99. I'll take 99 and I'm going to strive for 100 uh, here soon um, in Kiev, Ukraine. Thank you very much, sir. Talk to you soon. Thank you. This is the Shift Podcast. The Millennial on the radio. It's Ryan O'Donnell. Ding, welcome uh, to your work week, friends. And I'm going to get you started here with a conversation that truly matters because I think you need some help. Understanding the complex, complicated, and frankly, idiotic language of the Gen Zs and the Millennials. It's not easy. We have some hard words and some rather confusing ones. And so a video is now making the rounds that portrays all the Gen Z, Gen Z slang. And it's now going to be my job to be your translator. Come on. I'm Ryan O'Donnell with today's TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Breakdown. 
So uh, comedian Clayton Shane Ferris posted a video, and the video is just titled a Gen Z Breakup. And the idea behind the video is this is what it must look like when two people that are in Gen Z or millennials break up. And what they have done is take all the slang, literally every single slang word that is used by this generation to uh, accentuate the breakup, to portray the modern love. And while I can say with confidence that nobody really gets talks like this all the time there is a definitely some nuggets of truth to some of the words used and importantly importantly there is several there are several words here that are not made by gen z in fact they're older than i am and yet it's current slang so i've cut the video in half let's listen to the first half and i'm going to translate some of the words that are said and if you have a question regarding to a, a specific word, please text and ask at 877-399-9898. Let's give it a shot. Why are you being sus? You're the one being sus. Dead ass. I was just trying to make some friends. Friends? No cap? On God. I heard about your body count. Bruh. Broski, that was the past. Why are you being cringe? I'm not cringe. You're cringe. You're being cringe. Trying to catch these hands? Nar. Shakes my damn head. Now you're being chuggy as f- What's chuggy? Okay, Boomer. I thought we were bussing, boo. We had a whole ass vibe. Vibes is jank. For real, Chief. I'm unsubscribing to this trauma. Trauma? Trauma. Trauma? Our whole relationship is trauma. Period. Okay, that is 100. 100. All, no cap. It's le- okay. No, it's legitimate. That is what my friends, my son's friends sound like. Okay, yes, it is what they sound like. I will say, even at Stampede, I noticed like uh, the tone of voice is very different. Uh, they do kind of talk like that. I don't, re- the nar, I've never heard anybody say nar instead of no, like unless you're from Australian and you literally say nar, right? But no, I, no. So let's let's give it a shot with some of these words here. So we have dead ass. That means for real, like absolutely, I'm being completely serious. This is real. That was first used as slang back in 2004 when I was eight years old. So it's been around a long time. Gen Z are using it, but it's been around longer than the Gen Zs have been. Uh, Another one we have is catch these hands. Any guesses which catch these hands means? Catch these hands. Catch them. Catch, mm-hmm. catch these hands. Catch these hands. I don't know. I'd be like when I'm talking to you, hand talking. I don't know. Or no. Nar. It's, it's actually just it, nar. <laughs> it's, it's fighting. It's uh, you want to oh, catch okay, these yeah. hands. You want to catch oh, these okay, hands right in your face. Yeah, that's uh, that's more of a fight. And uh, that can be first traced back to 2014, right when I graduated high school, when Gen Z was pretty much taking over all of of high school. So that one, I believe, is definitely owned by them. I've never said that in my life legitimately. So that I certify as Gen Z's specific slang, okay? Um, Now, the other word in there, which I had never heard before this video, was chugi. (laughs) Um, 
according to Urban Dictionary, it can be used broadly to describe someone who is out of date or trying too hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, that one traced back to 2013. Have you ever uh, heard of that? uh, Heard of that? uh, That one there, Shane? Have I? I haven't. John, uh, any of these missing for you or these are all right? Um, I, I think he's, these, these are all right. Yeah, yeah these they're are all right. there, aren't they? Yeah. Chugi, have you ever heard Chugi? I, oh. But I've never heard Chugi before. Nar. No. Nar. Nar. So, cap, so cap and no cap. Cap Cap is like bad, right? And sus is suspect. I'm going to get to those. Yes. Okay. Yes. But sus, sus is suspect. That one gained a lot of popularity during the pandemic, thanks to the video game Among Us, where you had to suspect who the uh, imposter was, and it became quite a huge meme. So that's where sus really gets in there. Um, another one here, and uh, Derek on the text line, I still don't get bussin'. Well, bussin' is very much slang. Uh, bussin' just means it's awesome. It's cool. It's straight bussin'. Uh, it's, but where uh, does that come from? That's, I don't know where it comes like, from. Like, sus is suspect, so that makes yes. sense to me. Like, 100 means 100%. I'm in. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's cool. Yeah. So it's 100 makes, makes sense, but bussin' doesn't, I don't know. Bussin doesn't make sense. So, yeah, it, uh, it can be traced back to 2006, though. It's been wow. around for a long time, like when I was in elementary school still. So that <laughs> one might be more on me than the Gen Who Z. Sent this, who sent this in? Wait a second. I got to find this out. There's a text that we just got. Um, I'm sorry. I just I didn't, didn't come up with a name. There is no name attached to this one. Um, okay. This whole Gen Z thing is like grody to the max. That was the, oh, like gross. Yeah, grody was the '90s for my generation, and then that was like gnarly in the '80s. Um, so I mean, you know, every generation has them, but I mean, I think that you know, off the chain as well, right? Early 2000s. That's off the chain, off the hook, off the chain. Um, so I mean, every generation has these slang things, but this yes. Gen Z is off the charts. The amount the like you can hear a conversation and um you, you you don't even like you have no idea what the topic is yeah yeah it, it can be a little confusing i do i do think this is great though i think if you have slang that you remember from when you were younger or slang oh, yeah. that you, you like to use please text it in text it in yeah i will never forget 877-399-9898 is the phone number uh i when i was working at eb games i was working my buddy kirk I uh, love that guy. He was in his mid thirties and I was in my late teens. And he said, dude, that was so wizard once. And I laughed for a solid 15 minutes. I was like, did you actually use wizard as slang when you were in high school? And he went, absolutely, dude, it was wizard. So there's wow. an example of, of uh, slang that nobody really uses anymore, but still pretty funny. Okay. Uh, but we have more here. We have more okay. uh, slang to get to. So let's hear part two of the Gen Z breakup video from the TikTok. Big yikes. That hits different. I want to try ethical non-monogamy. Is that a supplement? Nar. Polyamory. Polly want a cracker? Nar. I want to be open. I'm open as f- boots the house down sleigh. Sleigh? I can't have you living rent-free in my head no more. Sheesh. Her. 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 So when does this start? ASAP, Rocky. Can I at least catch one last sneaky link? Oh. oh. I'm going to need you to take several seats. Bet. 
Wheels up, King. Deuces, Queen. Okay, deuces. Deuces. Peace out. Peace out. That's not out that's not want. unique. Uh we have uh Slay. Slay's big right now. Slay is uh uh like uh you know, you think of like fashion or the runway. You slayed it, you know. Yeah, but uh, if I did it if I drew a picture or painted a picture and I'm like, Ryan, look at my picture I painted, you'd be like mm-hmm. slay. Slay. I that's uh Laura. That's Laura's favorite word right now. Slay. Oh. Slay this, mm-hmm. slay that. Uh yeah. we were on the train and there was a cool outfit that Laura saw and just Laura went, Slay. And it's like it's fine. That one doesn't bug me. Twenty thirteen on that one, so that's definitely a Gen I don't Z one. Know. I think it has to kind of make sense a little bit, like gross and grody. Yeah, from my generation grody. that makes a little more sense, right? Yeah, yeah. I think slay works. Like you slayed it. I, 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 I don't, I don't use it lots, but it doesn't bug me. Um, slay as a word does not mean you look good. It actually it, means. Yeah, but I know, but we're talking slang here. Wizard doesn't mean I'm actually wizard, a wizard. Magical, it does. It means like what you did, that was magical, man. Like we would yeah. say that, hey, man, that was magical. Well done. So that's what wizard is. So it's metaphorical, well, so but at least it's comes related. From, you killed it. That's where slay comes from. You slayed it. You killed it. Yeah. Okay. That's where that okay. comes from. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so Still so done, that one fair enough. definitely. Okay, fair. Uh, we have a new one here. This is the newest one that I could find, which was rent free you see i you live rent free in my head that means to live in the head of someone that can't stop thinking about you or uh, you know anything to do with you that's from that's 2018 been for a while, though. very but in 2018 actually uh mm. but i think it's used pretty it's it's a nice one you live rent free, i like that or one. that movie yeah. is rent free in my brain i think that's a good i probably used that on the show before uh one of my personal favorites was used in this video which was sheesh. sheesh. I love that. Sheesh. Like sometimes if something's just like, damn, you say sheesh, it's fun. And if you add the little inflection on it, it, it adds a nice little pizzazz to it. I, oh, I, we I, had I recommend damn, it. right? Like we've it's had very all those. similar to that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So and there was like, another one. There was a day. Day. Um, was it was like a Forrest Gump sounding day. Um, day. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you're at a hockey game and somebody play has an incredible play that leads to a goal, sheesh, sheesh. that's a that's a very common use of it, especially when you're playing. Or that was disgusting. That was, disgusting. That was filthy. Yeah, filthy. Uh, another one there that you were probably confused by was uh, how soon does he say? And then she says ASAP Rocky. Um, it's not slang. It's just there's a rapper named ASAP Rocky, and so it's like as soon as possible, Rocky. They just use the rapper's name, who's 34 years old, and you know, mm-hmm. just have a joke with it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of it. Look, there's there's it's a the million different. Yeah, that's, there's not a lot of clean <laughs> from this guy. It's good though. Uh, uh, there's a million different words in there. There's probably slang I didn't even catch, but all of these words are not that old. Some of them are quite old, and a lot of them are new. And I will say that I thought when I was doing my research, I was like, this isn't that bad, but. Yeah, this 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 slang is is everywhere right now, and it it is affecting the way that Gen Z speak and the way that they have these conversations. And I I'm really curious if it changes as they kind of get a little bit older and when enter the workforce, or if you know <laughs> Prime Minister Gen Z is gonna slay, you know, gonna get up. The NATO summit was an absolute slay. No cap. We're all friends, all together now. Right. Uh, yeah. This uh, the next treaty is living rent free in my head. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you get your uh, free grocery credit 
ASAP Rocky. Sheesh. Um, it's fascinating. It does change. I think people start to realize <laughs> that it's... I think when people get to the workplace, it starts to yeah. change. That's what starts to happen. Fascinating. Okay, there's a millennial on the radio. Um, and, uh, and all things Gen Z translations for us here. Now... Uh, that's ASAP Rocky, by the way. This is the Shift Podcast. One of my favorite things to do is to cook. I'm not very good at it. Yeah. Although people who eat my food, they still come back for more, so maybe it's not that terrible. <laughs> there is a next level type of cook. We see them on Facebook from time to time, these sort of amateur people who just teach how to chop. They teach how to do the little things. Yep. And then there's the people that turn it into a job. And I don't mean becoming a cook. I mean designing it. The design of the food, the design of the flavors, that to me is like, it's like a photographer that can walk into a room and take this most spectacular photo of a room you're in and you're like, I did not see it like that, yeah. right? A musician that can grab an instrument and can and play this beautiful music on it and I sit down and it just bang, bang, clunk, clunk, right? That's it. So there is this creation part that's fascinating to me. And this is where we're going to start this conversation. Nadia Harlow uh, joins us here. Spice of Life is the name of the company, and it is Spicy Sauces. Now, why are you doing Spicy Sauces, Jane? Uh, because there, there is a, a really cool story behind this particular group. Plus, there is a, uh, an interesting story about everyone who likes hot sauce going on right now in the news. So let's get started. Nadia, hi. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. So... I guess you call yourself uh, Toronto, I suppose. You're, you're GTA. Kind of, right? yeah, sure. Yeah, are you, are you one of those people where you're like, oh, I'm not Toronto, I'm Markham. I'm Markham. You know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Offensive. Yeah. Um, the, uh, okay, so tell me, um, you, you guys make spices. Let's start with the basics. You guys, 100% natural products, yep. mega spice, fancy spice, multiple spicy spice, spice sauces. Yes. So we have uh, six different hot sauces. Um, they range in flavor from a, a very mild jalapeno all the way up to a ghost pepper, which is, um, I believe it's wow. in the top three uh, hot, hottest peppers in the world. Um, yeah, it's all natural. I make them all myself. I work uh, very wow. closely with a lot of um, local farms here in Markham, some in St. Catharines, actually. Um, and yeah, all around Ontario. Huh fascinating well you are lucky down there it is a bit of a breadbasket, if you will with some of the different fruits and vegetables that get grown around you so you do have access to that so that's really cool yeah. um there we got spices we've got sauces we've got all kinds of angles we have why so let's get started with why did you why did you get in the world of 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 spicy sauces i mean i mean you could have made ranch yeah but it, you decided you know, <laughs> to do spicy sauces it was a little bit of a fluke actually the way spice of life started uh, it was about it was 10 years ago um actually august september will be 10 years for us uh we were doing this uh cibc run for the cure um and no one was donating and it was, you know, harvest season. So we went to the farm, we got some peppers, and my husband made his, uh, you know, his his uh, hot sauce that he makes every year. And he posted a picture on social media. And people were saying, you know, can I buy a bottle? And I, he thought, you know what, donate to the race and I'll give it to you. 
That's a wow. you know pretty fair trade off. So back then I was working my nine to five and bringing bottles of hot sauce in to to sell and coming back home and going back to work. And so at the end of it, we raised a thousand dollars. We thought that was pretty good. He did the race. I didn't do the race. And after that, people were asking for more sauce. So we thought, oh, okay, you know, this might be something. So we we, we kept going with it. We started to source the bottles and then. At that point, it was just the hot pepper and I believe the million Then we introduced. And then slowly we uh, introduced the other four hot sauces. So good. Yeah. So good. Okay. So now, is there any family history here with cooking? I, I, we've had lots of, uh, you know, cooking and prep, food prep people. And there, there seems to be a, a, maybe a bit of a family connection. Because I do know in the dry rub stuff, you have the Montreal steak spice, the mm-hmm. sable. Yep. And then, but you also have a, the Jamaican uh, yep. jerk rub. So you have like, is there any family things going on here? Kind or is this completely so a new, new yeah. creation? <laughs> it's a little bit of a mix um, between my husband, uh, his side of the family, and I guess my side of the family. My side is uh, the Jamaican side um, and he loves to cook. So he will try to make all different kinds of dishes from all over the world. And he just loves to experiment that way. So between him experimenting with cooking and my sort of finance background, business background, we've, you know, we, we actually make a pretty good team that way. Yeah. Uh, there's a uh, photo. Is that him in the photo? That's Where you guys him. are That's like in the kitchen? There? Yeah. Oh, he's a handsome devil, isn't he? <laughs> oh boy. Okay. <laughs> hey? Oh, don't tell him that. Is that yeah, going to go to his yeah, head? Oh yeah. Exactly. Oh, he's a troll. Yeah. No. Forget about that guy. Uh, you said Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Um. Oh, it's what's it like working closely with your hubby like that? Is that all right? It it, it, it it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Oh my God! There's a story there. <laughs> no, he does have his own full-time job. He's a, a manager, so he does have his own like a nine-to-five. So in 2016, I quit my full-time job and I took Spice of Life on uh, myself. So this Spice wow. of Life has become my baby. My, you know, that's my my daily grind. And he's he has his. So he does help me out from time to time. Like I have, you know, big shows like C and E in uh in Toronto coming up. So, you know, he'll take some time and he'll help uh here and there. But yeah, for the most part it's um it's pretty much me. Do you um for there's lots of people that have a sort of a side hustle dream that they wish they could turn into full time like you've done that. Um mm-hmm. in the trenches going to the C and E having that you know that kiosk and doing those things i mean is that you got to be willing to do the elbow deep trench work yeah yeah it is it is no joke like you know people look from the outside and they think oh wow you know how hard can it be she makes some hot sauce and you know sells no it is hard work it is not for the faint of heart being an entrepreneur in general right but when you're making your stuff and you're selling i'm the sales i'm the ar i'm shipping receipt like i am everything yeah 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 you're the person who's putting the sticker on the box right like you're everything yeah that's fascinating um Okay, so you have the sauces, there's the dry rubs, there's even the red pepper jellies, which are, Mm -hmm. I mean, those are like, those things are, these are everyday items that people truly love. They're the kind of items when you go to a restaurant and you have your chicken bites or whatever, and then you have your proper red pepper jelly and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. But, But we often don't look for this. We have this habit of going to the store and we look for only you know, the big brands or the big box stores and everything else. I suppose for you, the goal is to get more and more into the big stores because then it's volume. But at the same time, what, it, what? how do we look for this stuff to find the local entrepreneurs like yourself? Is Do we have to just go out of the way? Um, 
I, I mean, I don't know of a, a list where I can say be, right. you know, living in St. Catharines and say, hey, what, what are local small businesses that use um, Niagara crop? Right. Right. I mean, I don't have a, there's no list that I'm aware of that we can go to do that. So how do we find, you know, groups like yours and other small operators that are trying to make it? There is no actual like directory for us. You're right. Um, And it's just been, you know, through, it's been 10 years. So I've met quite a few different makers in, you know, from the different trade shows, from the Royal Winter Fair to the local Markham Farmers Market to, you know, Nathan Phillips Square, just anywhere. It's it's doing that on your weekends, on the evenings, getting your name out there, getting your brand out there. That's pretty much the only way. And because we have been around 10 years, we are known a little bit, you know, um, but yeah, it's just a lot of hard work and a lot of uh, even, you know, working on social media, which is a full time job in itself. But you got to remember mm-hmm. to post every day. You got to remember to do stuff and yeah. By the way, be funny when, you know, yeah. like all the things, right. Yes. And create a reel now and make it more interesting <laughs> right, and make right. the bottle disappear. I, I don't know. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Um, it just seems like a, a, a massive ton of work. Yes. Okay. Um, we'll talk about peppers in a second because I am curious about the heat, right. That yeah. some of these things bring, um, you know, there's the basics, there's the barbecue sauce. I mean, I like the, the tropic, like it's hot. Yeah. Oh my God. you want to talk about what that got my attention is, was that one? Um, I don't know why yeah. I said it. And I was like, tropic, like it's hot. I'm like, Oh, that's cute. And then I moved on and then I came back to it and I went, Oh, they said it out loud and then I said it again and then I said it again and then I started to giggle. I'm like, this is so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's Aaron. Aaron is, he names all of the sauces. So yeah. Does he? uh, Yeah, for sure. Well, he's got, uh, there's another one that's called made from scotch, which is also very good. I give him a a, a silver medal for that one, but tropic like it's hot to me is just, man, that's dynamite. Um, Peppers. The the reason why we came across you is because we were looking at peppers, you know, Sri Racha sauce is selling online for a hundred dollars a bottle right now. Um, because uh, you know, and that's actually a really interesting story too. That was a small business of a dude who made a sauce and he still has the same distributors from years ago. Like he, even though that they're shipping everywhere in the world and they're doing everything. It's still pretty much a small business and he's got the same partners and they pride themselves on that pretty exciting, maybe mentor for everyone else who's trying to make their way up. But if Sri Racha can't get peppers, right? that means getting peppers must be difficult. What, what are you finding and what's going on in that world? So because we're in Ontario, like you said, I do have a little more access to, you know, some growers close by, but also we're in Ontario and our growing season is not long at all. Um, You get like, you know, June to August, maybe they'll pick into September. Um, I do notice a lot of uh, growers are moving towards greenhouses, which, you know, will help, you know, for the picking seasons to go all year, which would be great. Um, But when you know there is none here in Ontario I do rely on uh, people importing peppers which has been a a bit of a challenge um, in the last I would say month month or two it's been uh, a little bit challenging for sure is there a different kind of pepper that's been harder to get than others when you when you go Um, looking because I'm assuming now you're prepping for you're starting to prep for fall because once the summer crop starts to excuse the pun, dry up, Yes. Um, then um, you're going to be looking for, like you're going to be looking to sustain yourself through the winter. So that's probably part of the journey these days. Yeah. So it's pretty much all like the only pepper that is easy to get for me right now 
or ever is jalapeno because everybody loves jalapenos. Uh, but I use habaneros. I use scotch bonnets and my scotch bonnets come directly from Jamaica. So that's been a bit of an issue. Uh, the ghost house, the ghost uh, peppers, I rely on the growers here in Ontario. I don't know. I, I haven't have been able to find anyone that imports those. So yeah, it's uh, I'm in crunch time now. So until about until they start picking maybe mid to late August, it's a bit challenging for all. Is it? Are you? I guess there'd be other people just like you that are trying to you know clamor after peppers too. I, I mean, are you guys racing and lining up, sitting in a lawn chair all night, or like, <laughs> like for said, concert tickets? Yeah, we've been uh, we've been doing this for ten years, so we have a few more contacts than the you know the newer guys coming up. But it's been, um, yeah, very challenging. Hmm. Fascinating. Okay, well, since we're talking about peppers and um, everything that's going on in that world, Sorry. this is a great opportunity to support the local, um, you know, local uh, providers because you guys have access, you have that network. And some of these biggies can't get their peppers for their massive volume. But, yeah. oh, look, go to your market. You might be able to get yeah. something um, that you might even like it better. Plus, you're supporting local. Plus, yeah. they actually have peppers and access to product. So. Yeah. Um, really great. So how, um, tell me about the hot sauce and how hot it gets. And let's be honest, my real question I want to know is how often do you touch your eyes oh. when you're making this stuff and then you regret it? Cause that's really <laughs> what the, let's be, that's the, that's the human humanitarian yeah. conversation yeah. here is how often do you cry doing this? It's, but, um, <laughs> well, okay. I'll tell you the, the flavors first. So the, uh, our mildest one is the jalapeno. So that's our not so hot it's fine for anyone, you know, just being introduced to peppers, just getting into the game. Um, we we designed that one because a lot of people wanted to play in the game and they just couldn't. So this is a nice introductory pepper. You know, you can put that on your eggs, that type of thing. Uh, the next one up is the Tropic Like It's Hot. So that's a blend of the jalapeno and habanero with some pineapples. So that's for the, the yes. sweet, the sweet lover. I grow pineapples at home, by the way. That's why oh, I love that one. Oh, nice. I have I have uh, pineapple plants everywhere. Oh, it I takes love forever. That. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad business deal, but it's a, I love it though. Anyway, yeah. sorry to interrupt. And uh, so the next on the lineup, we have our regular hot pepper and the smoked uh, habanero. So those are both habanero peppers. Um, that's your standard everyday hot sauce. My husband just figured he would put a spin on it, a Canadian spin, he calls it, with the smoked. And that is actually our best seller, the holy smoked. Oh, really? Yeah, that's our most popular one for sure. And huh. then we have the Scotch bonnet, which is the made from scotch. So those peppers, um, we do from time to time mix them in with the, the greenhouse grown Scotch bonnets here, but there's nothing like Jamaican Scotch bonnet peppers. Like there's, there's the flavor in those are, if you know your Scotch bonnets and you know your flavor, you will absolutely fall in love with that. And then our mm -hmm. hottest is the ghost pepper. Uh, that's the million plus. So that's extremely hot for me. I, I, I stop at the scotch, uh, so the million I find extremely hot. And that's mm -hmm. the one that people come up and they're like, give me your hottest, I need the hottest. And really, and they absolutely love it, yeah. That's not okay, these people are yeah. not okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um Okay, I mean, I like hot things too, but uh, I do like to enjoy it for sure. Right. I, I, again, touching your face, don't oh. do it. Um, sample packs and so much more too, which is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So when you, how did you get into the, the hot stuff though? Were you always like, were you just a fan of hot wings one day and you're like, I think we can do better. 
<laughs> well, I I mean, I being from a Jamaican family, I grew up with Scotch bonnet peppers. My my mom and my dad always cooked with that. So that's what I knew um, when I met Aaron. He was more of the spicy pepper head. Um, he loved to try. Oh, give me the you know the stuff that you got to sign the waiver for. And he was oh, more of that guy. He's toned it down a little bit since. Um, but yeah, he and so. Actually, so when I met him, he introduced me to the different peppers and the different flavors and, yeah, all that different stuff. I love it. Yeah. This is so great. Um, and, you know, we need to have more conversations with local makers and, and everything you get up to. I mean, you guys have a, a quite a robust, like you've grown this into quite the product line um, yeah. that's there. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've done some work around beard oil and I know how much time it takes to find the right bottles, the right tops to get your palette shipped of bottles and all the things that it takes to do that. I mean, some, as a, as a business person, sometimes the biggest victory is actually something as simple as got the labels, (laughs) uh, Right, because people yeah. don't understand that, and, or getting the bottles, or getting the yeah. the vacuum sealer for the top. Yes, I mean, exactly. You know, those kinds of things can be some of the most expensive and some of the most difficult things to get done as a you as don't a small even operator. think of. Yeah, so we like to use. So our labels are clean; they're white. So we like to put the white tamper proof on top, which are impossible to find in Canada. So mm. just when you mentioned that, it was just like, yeah, exactly. Those are that. You got to find the right thing, right? Absolutely. So for me, everybody in the world of beard oil, they use brown or blue. Oh, okay. For bottles. Oh, and, yes. Um, and we, uh, there's a couple of shops that use green, but it's called the Banff Beard Company. So we mm. didn't want to have brown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we really wanted to have green. And yeah. so in order to find the right green bottle and the right top for it, it took quite a while to get. And then of course I had to buy by the pallet. Yes. And then, so I had to get that shipped over. So then I found another provider yeah. and, um, and this is one thing that worked really well for us. We found another provider that they were shipping their product and they do a ton. And, um, and I just said to them, I said, Hey, look, can I piggyback your order, please? Yeah. And I just want to put a pallet of these in there and they're like, yeah, no problem. Oh. And so they already had a container coming, right? Yeah. So th- these relationships are so incredibly important. I even said, well, can I kick in for shipping? They're like, you know what? You're like 3% of the shipment. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like <laughs> we have space, we'll yeah. take it and, and we'll get it done for you. Those relationships in business, when you have people that are working, you know, right now listening to this conversation and they're saying, well, how do I get this stuff? How do I get involved in this? How does it all work? That's the magic. The magic are, are situations like that to make it happen. The answers are the people around you today. And if you don't have them around you, you need to just start meeting people. Is that fair? Networking. Absolutely. And hours late into the night, Googling and researching and yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. This is so great. What's your favorite thing to put the hot sauce on? Uh, Lately, it's been like chow mein fried rice. I don't know what it is, but yeah. And I'm, and I'm all over something about it. Yeah. Really? eh? (laughs) So good. You know, have you ever done left the leftover pizza with the hot sauce? Because, I mean, that yes. to me is one of my favorites. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. I like that. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely. Okay. Um, spices, for the sake of uh, getting into the spices and the blends, we sure. didn't talk about those very much. You, what's your favorite there? My favorite. I like Island is, Time is funny, cute. Oh. That's cute. <laughs> uh, my favorite is the uh, all-inclusive. So we designed these because, again, when we're at the trade shows, we have, you know, the maybe the older crowd that says, oh, you only have hot. I don't do hot. It's like, okay, mm. you know, and everybody loves to cook at some point, right? The all-inclusive, it's got some garlic, a uh, little bit of cane sugar, you know, and, and then you can put it on anything. 
meats, veggies, seafood, and it just adds a nice little, not a, not a kick of heat or anything like that, but just a great flavor to add to mm-hmm. anything you're cooking. The, that label says adobo inspired mm-hmm. rub. What does that mean? So an adobo adobo is like um, I believe it's a Spanish uh, background. So uh, people of Spanish or Filipino they use adobo seasoning a lot. So this oh, okay. is our version of it. Just like the the jerk is our version. The jerk is not spicy. So it's for the people that mm-hmm. want to play in the you know the jerk game without you know too hot. They can always add hot sauce uh, afterwards. I love this. I love the creativity behind it. And I think that there's so many people right now that have that one dish they make or that one thing um, and embrace it. And what a great solution to fundraise and say, look, we'll just give it to you for free. And, um, and, and, and then all of a sudden it turns into a thing. I mean, yeah, crazy. You know, you have to declare it to be as a language guy, you have to declare it to be so. Um, Someone said that, you know, actions speak louder than words. And I was like, yeah, nope because words actually define the actions. So to your point of Aaron, like he had to put it out there first and say, you know, by the way, here's what we're declaring to the world. And then people are like, then all the action starts, right? Exactly. That's yeah. That's very accurate. That's right. I love it. So nice to meet you. This is cool. Yeah, it's nice to meet you. I was very nervous. I won't even- Were you? Ah, you crushed it. You're good. (laughs) Hey. Maybe you'll take on so if you, broadcasting. If you, if you ever get to meet Aaron, you will see he is the mouth. He is the talker out of the two of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is his, uh, yeah, but no, I, I'm spice of life. So I got to step up and do. Yeah. It was, uh, no, you're great. I think this is great. I think you've done a fantastic job and it was so nice to meet you. Yeah, it was nice to meet you as well. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you, are you, are you, okay, 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 are you okay with some stories that might make you ponder, that's for sure, as we tour the world and look for people doing people things that are probably not great. Are you okay with home renos? Ryan O'Donnell's in downtown Calgary. Ryan, how are your home reno skills? Um, I... No, I there there are no home reno skills. I have gone through two home renovations. One was when we left Calgary for the first time, so I didn't really get to enjoy them. Although I do remember my mom uh, staring at the handyman installing the floorboards because he had just the like Arnold Schwarzenegger body, which is understandable. No, no shame. Good and then you, well done. Uh, <laughs> the uh, and then what was it? And then the in my Calgary house, we did a big home reno, and uh, it was actually a, a bunch of Ukrainian. Uh, it was a Ukrainian company that did it. I remember that. Uh, hmm. And then uh, they recommended their friend to come clean the place when they were done, uh, which was funny. And it was cool to see. Like it's you know it, it does really completely change your space. We went from having in the bathroom in the basement blue and yellow tile in the shower like peak late 90s early 2000s decor that needs to be forgotten and replaced with standard white and black stuff which you know wasn't much better but better and uh yeah the hope is to when i finally buy a home get a place that doesn't need that many renovations but i feel like it kind of just comes with the territory these days people are picky well, you're picky. I have a rule when it comes to home rentals. Okay, what's your rule? 
if I can do it that well, I don't have to pay you. I, mean, I shouldn't have hired you. Just, yeah. Right? I think that's important. It's a good rule. Like you, when you moved in here, you hired a handy person to come in and hang your TV mount and hang pictures on the wall. Now, you did, did double up with some of it because of the fact that, you know, they were there. And, you know, hanging a TV on the wall, if you don't have a stud finder and you don't know how all that stuff works, I mean, that can be dangerous. So I get that part. You know, um, hanging pictures on the wall, you know, with all the different ways to hang pictures today with stickies and things, you know, it's, um, there are all kinds of different, um, ways to do it nice and easy. And if the guy's there doing the rest of the work, why not? So moving into a home reno for you with not a lot of experience, I mean, that mm-hmm. becomes troubling. And there's a lot of people that are like that. I think that it is a bit of a lost start. I think that as parents, it's kind of like uh, oil changes in cars, very similar. We need to know how to do it. And so if I'm going to do it, then I better have the time and you got to get it done and you've got to know what you're in for. You know, you're going to make mistakes. At the same time, if I'm going to hire someone to do it, then it better be professional level perfect and better than I could have done. I think that's a fair rule. It's because fair. If you're going to be a professional. If, you're going to charge me. Yeah. I will say if you're a millennial like me and there's an option to just pay someone to do it, you're going to do it. It's just, you know, that's just the, that's just the approach. Like you. Yeah. I'll <laughs> tell you this. Instead anything. of having I'll to hang pay. up pictures that day, I just uh, unpacked and got something done while somebody else did something. Could I have done that? Maybe. But would I have probably not have done a, as good a job? Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I see your point, though. You have a valid point. I'm just well, I think that old zing to it. Well, I get that flair, that flair to it, and I, and I don't mean it to be judgy, but I mean, the reality is, is that mentality is why people can't afford to buy houses as well, right? Because they can't, you need to be able to do the, if you're going to buy a house, you need to be able to live in the house and do all the things that take care of a house. It's the same thing that I think that, you know, cars is a great example, right? Is that today, in today's world, the car companies and manufacturers have made it so easy to just drive in and pay and then upsell, upsell, upsell. Like there's people that will pay a dealership to change the wipers on their car. Like that is as easy as a clip, Mm -hmm. right? And so I I think that then we complain, we complain that we, we don't have enough money. When in reality is, is that we spend a lot of money. We might not have an earning problem. We have an expense problem. That's for sure. And so, you know, I, Doing oil changes and stuff like that. I mean, everything, you know, has become more difficult um, to go in and get it done. So I don't know. You know, there's magic. I go to an oil change place. Is that any different than you hiring a handyman to hang pictures? I don't know. I don't think so. Mm. It's probably very close to the same thing, right? Yeah. But anyway, it is a lost art, and we don't know how to fix anything, and everything is impossible to fix anyway, and we just throw it out. We are in a disposable culture, and it's one of the things that I I still stand by when we talk about being responsible and eco, but yet everything is disposable. We won't buy an ugly apple because it's shaped funny, right? We have to have perfectly shiny red apples, so it's it's such a vanity thing. Anyway, I digress. Home reno's... I will tell you this, though, can be incredibly rewarding if you get the job done and get it done right. When you can look at your gazebo or your shed or your deck or that wall that you changed or you did a paint job and you didn't drip paint all over the floor, you'd be really proud of that. And that's cool, right? But it's a lot of work. People with uh, live anywhere, people with live anywhere if the price is right. Oh, right. 
I'm going to need you to translate that. People if you will mind. live anywhere if the price is right. Oh, I thought we were talking about the game. So first, that's that. That's a typo. Okay. And um, I... Um, if the price is right. Is that what we're doing here, right? I mean, we can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, people will live anywhere if the price is right. Not the game show. Um, and as was the live threw me off, right? Yeah, <laughs> anyway. yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Especially if it's a newly renovated place. Some people make tons of money buying a crappy one and turning it into a newly renovated place. Then they sell it to some other schmuck who's willing to buy it. But if you live in a decommissioned nuclear missile silo, what would you do? Andrew Flair, the man behind the Flair channel on YouTube, bought the former nuclear silo for $550,000 in 2022. Half a million dollars. <laughs> you can't make money on YouTube. The guy buys a hole in the ground for half a million dollars. And then he spent 45 days transforming it into an underground home, and it's ready to sell on the market. I wanted to sell it as a turnkey. You could literally live down there if you wanted to property. Welcome. And the nuclear bunker has gone through a few upgrades. You know, a movie theater screen and popcorn machine and foosball table. But I thought, if you're going to stay underground, you, you need to have a little extra things to make it feel, um, you know, more comfortable. To renovate a property like a silo, Andrew says adjustments had to be made, considering it's not shaped like your typical home. As you're laying the, the you know, the laminate, it's they're all shaped like rectangles. And so to get them all perfectly cut in a circle and not have a big gap because we didn't have baseboard or anything down to cover that, which you would typically have in a home, um, to make the flooring look clean and not have a bunch of gaps everywhere was really difficult on the circle for sure. Uh, that's from ABC7, by the way. One of the benefits of this house, though, is because it was a nuclear silo, is uh, you don't need light nightlights. Nightlights, or if anything goes south, you're good. You're good. You're good. Those things are built to withstand <laughs> World War Three, man. You got nothing yeah. to worry about. The glow-in-the-dark cat thing, though, is concerning. Anyway, uh, Flair, who chronicled Space's transformation on a YouTube video so he could make money on it, just to be clear, added a full kitchen and three-quarter bath. The home is now being listed for $750,000 by Polly and Mike Figaro. Figaro. That can't yeah, be real. I knew, I knew you were going to say that one. Figaro. Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. Uh, here's an opportunity to own a piece of Cold War military history in the ultimate survivalist retreat. We can escape or perhaps an Airbnb. Uh, the Figaro's said uh, that they have already received multiple calls about the property. There's another one I saw that was really cool. It was a cave. Someone turned a cave into a house. Yeah, a cave. Uh, a uh, lighthouse is another cool one. I feel yeah. like a lighthouse would actually be a really awesome uh, layout for a home. The only issue is you're probably be very isolated. Um, same thing with a nuclear missile silo uh, mm. and a cave. So, well, you see train cars, people turn those into restaurants, right? Yeah. Um, yep. uh, airplanes, decommissioned airplanes, chassis, they take the whole, you know, the body of the airplane and they turn that into a restaurant or a home. You've seen those before. Yep. That's those cool. Are cool. Those are very cool. Very cool. Love it. Or school bus. Hey, why not? Okay. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's the shift. Are you okay with push ups? Um, I love it when other people do them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really good workout. Like if I have a really lazy day and I don't do anything, I'll still try to do, you know, 
keyword is try try to do you know 25 push-ups and i just think of like arnold schwarzenegger in the back of my mind going do it you have to do it pump the iron you know like the motivation uh but if i'm actually ever in a gym i will never do push-ups that's the funny thing i will never do them in a gym it's only like my guilty do something kind of workout uh so uh yeah because i just i just really hate them they really suck Mm. As a guy with yeah. uh, screws in his shoulder, they're terrible. I can't do them anymore. Oh, I, yeah, didn't think about that. Can no, you, like, hear them when they... No, you... No. No, like, no, you do no that, it doesn't no. really click. No. It just feels off. Just, yeah. it just You'll hear me just whimper and... <laughs> it's yeah. painful. Um, but, you know, push-ups from the knees, whatever it is, get moving, folks. We've got to get moving. Some people like push-ups so much, they'll do a push-up contest, like, with no prizes. They'll be like, I can do more push-ups than you. And that's dumb. And then other people will do push-ups so they can win prizes. That's uh, crazy talk. But people, hey, they also run marathons for fun, so that's a thing. Like on The Office when Michael Scott, the boss, faced off against Stanley, the overweight accountant, uh, who just wanted to go home. Okay, I'll make it a little more interesting. Anyone who does more than 25 push-ups gets to go home. Oh! oh. I say dance, they say how high? <laughs> Here we go. Oh, wow. That is adorable. Ten. Yeah. I'm betting one more. Eleven. Wow. Good. Silly, silly, silly. Essentially, what we have here is one of those stories where a mother lifts a car to save her baby. Well, it's not exactly fair. He's got all of his weight that's helping him go down. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, Stanley did do 26 push-ups in that showdown. He needed to go home. It's really that bad. But an mm. Australian fitness enthusiast recaptured a Guinness World Records title by performing 3,249 push-ups in an hour. Wow. Daniel Scally, 30, broke the previous record for the most push-ups in an hour at 3,182 in April. Then it was broken by another Australian named Lucas Helmke, who performed 3,206 in November. Well, no way, my friend. I need to do more. Scally credited uh, the burpees he performed while training for his latest attempt. These guys do this on purpose, hey? They do it on purpose. And I have to say that uh, this guy doesn't go all the way to the ground. They're like the little mini push-ups, which I would, you know, say that's not a push-up. But he did three thousand of them, so it's like, okay, yeah, that that probably um, balances out. Also, um, we uh, the the A word was just said, and there's no song. Uh, gee, we right? What A word? What A word was that that was said? We went I... down under. The A-word story went down a... under, and you haven't played know. the song yet. Yeah. Oh, that A word. Yeah. Just drive from town to paradise and you'll see why we call Australia home. Australia. Australia. I feel like there was uh, two different guys from Australia there and we should probably salute them more prominently, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Ryan, do you have a favorite that you have set out here of these? Are you, we got lots of RUK set up. We got up. lots. We got to hit the, uh, the double job one. We have to All hit right, that one. Yeah. Are you okay with two jobs? 
I remember that. Two that was jobs. like a that was a gum commercial. It was like a pilot and something else. He's like, I got two jobs. I don't it was great. That. I loved it. Love that commercial. Um, so good. Are you okay with having two jobs? I would love to only have two jobs. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, uh, I don't I don't have any side hustles, right? This is my only job. Right before college, I had two jobs for probably a year. I worked at EB Games part-time and then a hipster Waffle House on the other time. And it was nice having two jobs that were different from each other. Uh, mm. And one job that you know you got tips from, and I was I was making pretty good money working those two jobs. I had zero social life f- uh, for five days of the week, and then try to rest on the two days off. Uh, How's your social was, life now? <laughs> um, it, you know what? Uh, March. Oops, <laughs> I was able to go to Stampede a couple of times. So that was new, uh, but it was uh, having the two jobs in the moment right before college was really great. But then I tried to keep it while also going to school, and I couldn't. So I had to cut one of them, and uh, that's the that's the thing, right? Is the money really? Yeah, comes the dance in is and tough, it, and the dance. But you'll you'll hit that wall pretty quick, and there are people that will go past it, and then or me, and you just turn back. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I don't remember in the last fifteen years when I've only had two jobs. But I would also throw in there too. I mean, sure, that's because I mean I've had a business for a long time and all that stuff too, and I do love that. That is a fun yeah. thing in my life. But I would say that um, we actually have lots of jobs. I mean, we have, you know, we have these responsibilities. I mean, you're a parent, you're an aunt, your uncle, your family. Then there's of course the other jobs that which we have inherited, which we don't even really like. Which is you've got your Instagram account, you've got your mm-hmm. Facebook page, you've got all these other things that you do, right? Um, and I think that we need to include those in where we spend our time because I think that we have a whole big stack of that we think are jobs that we've got to do. I think that matters. I think that if we want to relieve yourself from stress, man, you've got to start cutting jobs out of your life. Hmm. That's for sure. I think you do a lot better. Um, yeah. That's for sure. And, I, you know, having two different jobs, like you said, that are wildly different, that's kind of fun. I like that. It is fun. An Alberta woman has two jobs that could not be more different from each other. She's part of a team of hairstylists that received an Emmy for their work on The Last of Us, the HBO series that was shot in and around Calgary in southern Alberta. She's also a farmer and helps to deliver calves. Chris Glimsdale and her husband run a small cattle operation near Claire's home. When she isn't getting her hands dirty doing chores, she's styling Hollywood hair, like coloring Brad Pitt's locks on the set of Jesse James and then rushing off to a bovine birth that night and getting him ready and we went to set and we worked and came home and my husband was having trouble calving so I went and helped him give birth to a cow and here I was one minute I was touching Brad Pitt and the next minute I'm in a in a cow helping give birth. Chris started styling hair at the bay and jumped to films working in mud shooting Passchendaele and cutting hair on the top of Fortress Mountain in the Bourne Legacy but creating hair for infected zombies is the most creative work yet. The team was extremely talented in being able to focus that and make it work um, because it was it's a five-hour prosthetic piece that goes on. Chris has been working with prosthetic artists from all over the world on The Last of Us, but the entire team of hairstylists is from Alberta. They treated us with um, honor and respect and as if we had all the talent in the world, which we do have. But a lot of times people don't see people from Alberta as having that much talent. So it's a wonderful, it makes my heart grow. It almost makes me teary. But that, um, that we're 
being acknowledged. Last of Us work has been exhausting for the team, fussing over each strand of hair on fungus-faced actors. It was all worth it. it. You almost get an adrenaline rush when you see it happen. And then when you see them out in the field or on set and you're like, this is so, this is so good. I had my fingers in Brad Pitt's hair and then <laughs> my arm in a cow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, That's Global's Carolyn Curry to Castillo right there. This is the fifth time Glimsdale has been part of a team nominated for Emmys, but those awards may not happen at the start of September because of the actor strike. Glimsdale said she'll be okay while she's on strike, but she worries about the younger people who will be out of work with those in the entertainment uh, industry fight for their art. And there's a lot of layers to that fight, too. Everything from AI to pay equity and um, royalties down the road. So there's a lot going on in that one. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.